Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and back with me in studio for the first time in a couple weeks is Matt Patrick. Matt, welcome back, man. Hey, team, back in the house. That's right. All the other people that have hosted this with me right now are listening and saying, man, A-team, what? Come on. I thought we did a better job. They, they probably didn't. Yeah. I'm not very good, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, I'll say my, I, you know, pat myself on the back here. That's right. Well, welcome back. Glad to have you back. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, being gone for a little bit. I know you've been working and doing a bunch of other stuff, but. Yep. Glad to be back. Welcome back. Um, if you guys are out there listening, really th- appreciate you joining us today. Uh, we're going to talk about something that is. An evolution of performance management that we've been dealing with for well over a year. And, uh, you know, we kind of have it. <laughs> we're getting to the, near po- the finish line. We maybe. got it to the point where we're ready to talk about it. This is a This is a conversation that we've been tabling every single week for about six to eight months or so yep. that we know we want to talk about because it's that important. We didn't really feel prepared yet to talk about it. And so uh, we're going to we're going to uh, release that today. And so uh, hopefully you benefit from that conversation again. Like everything we do here, it's not because we have something figured out or some secret sauce, uh, but it's just this is our evolution of trying to figure things out. We are working on it, running a running a company, and so um, appreciate you guys listening to us wherever you are, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, all of the places. And so we're going to get started today with our fun question of the week. That's a little bit more serious this time, not super serious, but a little bit more serious. And this is the question, Matt: What is the best piece of advice? you have ever been given? Well, got a couple answers here. So I got a couple best pieces. <laughs> I'll start with, you know, happy wife, happy life. That's the easy one, right? Whatever Mandy say, says for me to do, I do. And just say, yes, ma'am, and do it. The other one probably is to let people know when I'm talking out loud. Probably <laughs> that was one that came from our leadership group. You know, I have a tendency to think out loud and it's probably good for me to tell people that I'm doing that as opposed to just yeah. make it a proclamation. And then uh, thirdly, probably is uh, shut up and think and pray more on things. Yeah. Probably all those things are probably good. Just stop talking, right? Yeah. Shut up and listen. Shut up and listen is a good one. Stop dropping your pen. Stop drop. Yeah. yeah. Stop, drop, and roll. That was another good piece of advice. <laughs> it was back in grade school, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, right. Stop, drop, and roll. There's a, uh, there's a fire in the building stop, and you're on and fire. So. Stop, drop, and roll. And then. Uh, good advice. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but Landon came home. This was two years ago or so. And they were talking about gun safety in, in school. Shoot first and ask questions later. Oh, <laughs> it's not quite that. Different one. And uh, they, they've come up with a kind of a similar thing that stop, drop, and roll for like the fireside. But for gun safety, it was like stop, see, run. Or yeah. it was just like when you see a gun, this is how you're supposed to act. And I remember when he saw this, like, that's, that's different. I've never heard that one before. So um, that's neither here nor there. Best piece of advice I've ever, I've ever been given, um, man. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, a couple that come to mind, uh, like you mentioned, you know, listen more, talk less, uh, I think is uh, always something that, that needs to be done. Um, leaders are readers is, is a big one that mm-hmm. I think changed me. I remember um, Jay Strack was a leadership guy that I went to a conference years and years ago. And uh, one of the things that he said is 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you know, X number of years from now, you're going to be different based on two things, the books you read and the people that you hang out with. And that's about it. Uh, and that's always kind of stuck with me um, just from the standpoint of, you know, who, who you associate yourself with is going to make a big difference on who you are, as well as the books that you read is going to shape and form uh, opinions. I think, I think those were absolutely true. And I, I've always remembered that. 
But at the same time, man, so much good advice out there. Uh, most of it coming from this podcast. That's right. Matt and I are. That's right. When I'm in that building, man, wisdom. it's just boom. A team, baby. Brilliance. A team. <laughs> I always like the one of surround yourself with people smarter than you are. Yeah. And so I can't wait to one day do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it all the time, right? I'm hoping I can do that one day. One day I'll arrive. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's so true, though. So true. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, better than you, encourage you, push you on. It's not very hard for me to do, so it's easy. It's a um, low bar to overcome. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one, man. Don't. I, you know, this is one. To Mandy, who always says, I always do a talk bad about you on the podcast. This is for you, baby. That's You're the best. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. This is one that, um, I call her a high C one more time. She's going to punch me as, as she should, <laughs> as she should. Uh, I can be argumentative just for the sake of being argumentative. No you know way, that about no me. way, Mike. I do not believe that you said that. Right. This is, this is happy wife. Happy life is a comment that can sometimes strike me in the way that I just want to push back <laughs> against it. Of course. Uh, because you know what, if your wife is being a jack wagon, you don't need to be saying, you Mike. know what? <laughs> Like, like, luckily, one, you and I don't ever have to worry about this that. This is the episode you say, hey, honey, you don't need to listen to that one. It wasn't very good. <laughs> as soon as this podcast <laughs> hey, downloads the Meredith's phone, I'm going to go delete it. This, she'll she'll this never disclaimer, Meredith, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, flowers are on the way. That's right. Uh, <laughs> this sound is expensive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those sayings that sometimes people say, and it just, I don't, for whatever reason, it just strikes a nerve and it's like, yeah, man, I mean, is that always true though? It needs to be more know. of a mutual agreement. You know, just don't want to be the person who just agrees with everything they say yeah. that doesn't sound any fun yeah and that doesn't happen because i'm not going to do that but i can <laughs> so. but at the same time it's an absolute true statement when oh, my yeah. wife is happy things are a lot better things are a lot better <laughs> than what she's not and luckily i got a great wife that spends most of her time being happy um, i think it's because of her awesome husband but you know that i'm biased, I thought it was so. all the chemicals you put in her coffee in the morning so <laughs> oh man we need to move on before right. neither of us yeah, have we're, a place we're to no go longer home married. To. that's right um, well, as I teased at the outset is, uh, we're going to be talking today about something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while and just didn't really feel, um, fully prepared or equipped. And that's probably still true, but I think we feel a little bit better prepared, uh, to talk about it. And that is, um, kind of our process and reasoning for developing what we call KRAs, key results areas. Um, and to kind of give you guys some backgrounds, if this is your first introduction to KRAs, but you've, you've probably seen it uh, around a little bit. If you're listening to this podcast, you, you know, we've talked about it before. A KRA is simply a one or two page um, outline of different job responsibilities in our world. And so what we do is we develop a KRA, a key result area for every position that we have in the firm. And the goal for that is to get alignment between the person that's in that position and uh, you know leadership company um, uh, expectations, that type of stuff. And the reason we've been a little bit more hesitant to talk about is because we've been in the process of developing KRAs for a long Two time. plus years, probably. And it's, be, it's, it's been so slow, not because we're unable to make decisions or it, because we wanted to get these so right that it, because it's, it's been something that has been missing in our firm for, for a while, as far as a formalized um, document that we didn't want to, we wanted to do it right. Yeah. This is the evolution. Right? So a lot of people have the evolution of a job description, right? What does this job entail? And we yeah. had those written for a long time, but that's so all encompassing, you know, and it also isn't specific enough. It's not, yeah. it's not something that we can really uh, define what we, you know, how does the, what are the results or outcomes we expect from this position? And that's where um, it really uh, kind of went from there. And we've been trying to build, you know, we have a couple of roles that are very hard to build these on. And we kind of, I guess, 
either, you know, kind of dealt with them too long or just never made a decision, but we kind of pushed them to the finish line finally. And, and part of that is we, the reason we're talking about today is because we're finally to the point where we have KRAs developed for over half of our positions in our company, yeah. which we know we still got a far ways to go. And the reason that these KRAs are important is because it provides clear expectations for everybody in each position. Uh, we get down and we'll talk through kind of what our KRAs look like, but we're getting down into the weeds of if you do these items, then you're winning in your role. And we're modeling this based off of our A players, the best people in each of the roles that we have. What are they doing that's making them successful that, that really quantifies how we define them as A players? And for some roles, that is a lot easier than other roles, uh, but it really provides clear expectations. That way, Becky, for example, if she has a clear KRA and it may say that she has to record three podcasts a week or you know whatever it may be, I don't have to go to Becky and say, hey, Becky, how are you doing? Becky doesn't have to come to me and say, hey, Mike, how am I doing? Not that those conversations don't happen, but there is an expectation that's very clear on both sides to where Becky already knows whether or not she's winning. I already know whether or not she's winning. So when we do come together, we can skip the how are things going part and just get down to, hey, you know what? You were, you're knocking it out because you're doing this every single week. High five, way to go. How can I help you, encourage you to, to continue on and, and you know what can we tweak? It allows our conversations to be more forward focused and, and backwards looking. It's, I like, you said earlier, it's the clarity knowing what everybody's on the same page, both the person in the role and the leadership and the other teammates know what that person is, what does success look like for that role? And it's, uh, it's I think it is eye-opening as we, as we define it. One thing, a couple of things we figured out, you know, is the, um, some people can have multiple roles they're currently wearing and some people, so they have to have multiple KRAs for each of those roles. Um, we have people that are operating in, um, uh, they're going through the process of getting promoted or, you know, to go to the next step. So those responsibilities, they're going to see their new role and their old role and why those both matter. And so just kind of a part of that understanding what, how, how it was built. Yeah. Another thing that I like about our KRAs is that it, it gives us a framework to already have feedback where it's, I always give the example, um, you know, if you're in grade school or elementary, you know, middle school, wherever, if you're in, if you're in a classroom environment, and over the loudspeaker comes, hey, Matt Patrick, I need you to see you in the principal's office. You're immediately thinking. I'm going to get a spanking. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you went to a different school than I did. Uh, we spanked in my <laughs> elementary school. Um, but you, you, there's a, a level of anxiety that comes on with that um, because you have no idea. You, you could be walking into, hey, you know what? You did such a great job. You won your class a ice cream party. Who knows? Yeah. But whenever you have a clear KRA, you already have that, that framework for feedback in place so everybody kind of can come to the table already knowing what those expectations are already knowing whether or not you're meeting them so that like i mentioned earlier you can start to look towards how can i improve or what needs to to change or where am i doing really well and, and how do i need to encourage that to continue well the kra is nice because it has both the here's what the results we're looking to have and here's how you measure those results so it's, it's very much like smart goals and you have, you know, they have to be specific and results oriented and measurable and, um, whatever obtainable, obtainable and repeatable and all that. Time bound. Yeah. Whatever those acronyms stands for smart goals. But the reality of it is, is, is because they are very specific. They, it is, here is a metric that we're going to measure that says you are succeeding in this role. 
Um, and, and that helps, I think, everybody understand this is what our expectations are. Yeah. And what we try to do is we try to align our KRAs along with job descriptions and core values so that there's kind of a cascading effect where, for example, one of our core values is team first. And so if Becky goes or in her KRA, you're never going to find something that says, hey, you need to be a lone wolf that never includes your team. Because we already have, we we're trying to mix these things together. And it gives, from a leadership perspective, it gives us a little bit of clarity in, in knowing what we need to ask for out of our team, because we're trying to align those with the bigger mm -hmm. picture that, that the, the firm as a, as a whole um, has. So let's talk a little bit about what the structure and kind of what goes into our KR, how that, how that document looks. For us, I try to get it down to about one page. If it has to be a little bit longer, the first thing I would say is maybe you need to look at, you know, weeding filler, that down a little bit. Filler words. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get it down Smaller to one font, page. Wider margins like a, like a paper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah zero, zero <laughs> margins, yeah. really small font. Yeah. No problem. One page is no problem then. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's, there's really kind of, I'll say a handful of items that goes into it. The, one of the things that you absolutely want to list on your KRA, other than like, you know, this is the job title or whatever it may be, is who is that person reporting to? Um, when there's an issue, what is the name of the, per the person, not just the title, but the name of the person that that, that that job reports to? So for example, if you were to look at my KRA, it would say reports to Matt Patrick. Yep. Um, and, and so I now have a very clear understanding of if there's really an issue that comes up that I need to know who to go to, that I've, I know who that is, it's Matt. Right. I also know who's going to hold me primarily accountable for my, for my role. Yep. It's Matt. And so whenever Becky comes to me and says, hey, Mike, you didn't do this well and you're fired because you suck at X, Y, Z. I could look at Becky and be like, what? Go, go talk Who are to, you? Go talk to you Matt. You go no. talk to Matt. And I would say, I agree with you, Becky. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, I told Becky to do yeah. that. Yeah. I told Becky to fire you. It worked out great. Right. Um, I that, delegate well. Who, who you report to is, is important. It does. Um, you know, and that's one that I think in a small business seems like it's a little bit unnecessary. But always remember from the perspective of a new hire, which is, these are absolutely critical for, it gives them clarity whenever they're still learning the ropes. Mm -hmm. We're 30 people strong, a little bit over 30 people strong. And anybody that comes into our office knows that Matt Patrick is the owner of this place. Right. Everybody knows that um, if you're a new hire. At the same time, if you are a new hire, you may not know that Kim Pope is the director of accounting on day one. Right. And that Shelby Betts leads our leadership team or, you know, you don't might not know those things as well yet. And so having those, a clear picture and a clear name attached to it, you know, whenever. Well, it's nice. It, it does give happens. you a very clear, as we've defined our teams better. So that's part of it. We defined our teams better. And then we defined the role within the team. And then you have a good understanding of, okay, who do I report to? And then, and if I report, and then who's that person report to, but also who can I go to with my questions or challenges and how does all that process work? Um, and so defining really clear who you are, kind of whose team are you on and who you, who reports to you is part of that too, right? So you have to know who reports yep. to you. Yep. And that's what I'll say next. The, yeah. the next thing that's got to be on there is who, do you have any direct reports that are part of that? Along with what team are you a part of? You know, if you have different departments, divisions, whatever it may be in your organization, go ahead and list those on your KRAs. That way I, Becky clearly knows this is the team that I'm on. I clearly know this is the team that I'm on. Um, because it does provide clarity. The, the whoever reports to you, the direct reports piece of that gives you an idea of exactly who you're responsible to manage. Sometimes this may be job titles and not necessarily people's names, depending mm -hmm. upon turnover or what, whatnot. Um, but so if, if you're looking at my KRA, it's going to say 
our client success specialists are, you know, different job titles. These are the people that report to me. And now I walk into that position knowing I'm responsible for these folks. If you're in yeah. that title, if you're in that job, I'm responsible to make sure that you're doing your job. It also tells me I'm responsible to holding you accountable for doing your job from a leadership standpoint. You're being held accountable to your job. Yep. Therefore, you hold your people accountable to their job. Yep. And that, in, in, in that example, if Becky goes off the deep end and starts going crazy, I, if, if I, she may not be my direct report, I still have maybe a little bit of in my role, hey, yeah. you know, let's go talk about this. But I also know that, hey, you know, whoever her boss is needs to handle that. And I can go encourage them to handle that yeah. or whatever. But I know that I don't need to be jumping into that because that's not my, my spot to jump into. Um, and again, the size of company, all that stuff plays into that greatly. Uh, the, 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 the importance here is understanding how your structure is set up so that you can enable your or empower your people to have a clear line of sight of who they need to talk to and who they're responsible to and who they're responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it goes back to without clarity, people are going to be filling in the blanks. And as soon Correct. as that starts to happen, we don't well, really you have people know what's going that on. go, well, I thought I had to do this because this person asked me to that. Well, that wasn't your, that wasn't your responsibility. And it also wasn't what we were looking for you to do. You then weren't able to do what you were supposed to be doing. So it just yeah. gives you, it makes it makes it clear. Yeah. Those guardrails are, are clearly yep. up. Mm -hmm. And then the two pieces that are the meat of the document, the, the most important piece of this is it's twofold. It's one, a clear job description. Um, and then there's also KPIs attached to it. Talk to me a little bit about the description piece of developing a KRA. Yep. So we, we call that the results areas. The key results areas are, you know, the bigger, broader areas. So um, uh, as we've def done this recently for our accounting managers, it's, you know, client management is a real big piece of that. But what does that include? What does client management mean? Or it's development of the staff. That's another one of their big areas. What does that include? And so we have what I'd say is a major header category of, of their primary responsibility. So in ours is client management, staff development, um, you know, tax services, uh, customer service. This is the three to five bullet point items of if you do your job well, these, this is, what these, are the area, these are the areas that you're succeeding in. And then here's, they'll give some, I'd say details in how we want that accomplished, but not overly detailed. Correct. The idea behind that is, is that we are going to give them some information on these are the areas that that would include. So in our world, it would be, hey, um, you are monitoring and developing your staff to uh, uh, deliver everything based on our internally internal due dates. Yep. So let's talk about that for a second, yeah. because what you just said is an absolute one of those bullet points that we would see on a KRA. But the important part about this is that it's results focused. Mm -hmm. You didn't say develop staff. Mm -hmm. You said develop, you know, manage and develop your staff so that they are doing X, Y, Z. It is a result. It, it is. is the outcome by which we yes. want them to do. It's not, this is, if everything goes well, this is the result of them doing that. And so one of ours is monitor and ensure, you know, that all internal deadlines are being met. Our KPI associated with that would be 100% of our internal deadlines are met every single month. Yeah. That's the result we expect. It's not a, well, I almost got there. 90% yeah. is good. No, 90% is not good. Yeah, because if, <laughs> so, if you just leave it at, in our world, deliver financials. Okay, great. All of them were delivered. We eventually delivered every financial yeah. that was required. It took me three years to do it, but I did I'm it. I'm only two months, two years behind right now. And we're ready to catch yeah. back up. That's not how we do things. But 
where and, and that's an extreme example, but where Correct. where it allows for confusion is if Becky thought deliver financials meant as as soon as I can get to them, I'll get them delivered. And I thought it meant this is going to happen this week. There's a gap there. And that gap is going to cause frustration on my end until I go to Becky and say, this is what happened. And then it's going to cause frustration on Becky's end because well, I thought I was doing well. And now I'm being told I'm not doing well at all. And there is a big gap of misunderstanding that's happening there that could have been easily avoided if there was just more clarity around what those expectations are. The KRA, the key results area, allows you to put those expectations on paper and tie those to clear metrics that are measurable so that Becky already knows the result before I have to approach and say, hey, Becky, what's going on with this? Yeah. And so, like you said, we have four or five, three to five bullet points of what the broad area of, of responsibility is and then the details by which results we're looking to get in those areas. And then we have anywhere from four to 10 KPIs, depending on bullets, but they're very specific and they're tied to exactly a result. So, you know, it's, it's something that we want to have an expectation of a metric that we're going to monitor and we have to be able to monitor it and we have to be able to track it and report on it. Yep. And it's the person in that role responsibility to report to their leader about what those, how they're doing or with their leader, not yeah. necessarily to their leader, but with their leader. A couple of the things that I found as we jumped into this is on, on the front end, it was a, I had a, um, a hesitancy to determine, can we really boil everything down? Because this is, because we do get very specific. And my first thought was, if we just say, this is what winning is, what about everything else that goes into that role? And it forced me, because I was hesitant on because of that. And it forced me to think about if a person does these three or five things exceptionally well, then the other stuff I mean, I get done. isn't, well, I wasn't going to say it, that other stuff that wasn't listed isn't typically going to get dropped because they're doing the things that are winning re really, really well. And in that role, that's primary. I ha they can't keep a job unless they do this stuff super well. The other stuff we can coach up on over time. And, you know, not, not that we wouldn't coach up on the primary stuff, but um, it's, it just really became secondary in a big way that I didn't expect it to be. Yeah, it did. It, it a lot of, a lot of clarification for me too. And this is an exercise I've been working really hard on the last month. And it's, it was the idea of how do we define stuff that maybe not be definable. So that yeah. was the hard part figuring out. And those are the roles that we're going to have some challenges with. Like, so as we're building this out and we have rows in the um, client care coordinator seat that's, you know, deals with our inbound and outbound traffic. All right, what's our expectations as far as how often, you know, how is she entering the phone? How quickly? How are our, our messages are being responded to? Um, what's our expectations as far as stuff going in and out the door? You know, what's our responsibility for handling the vendor, making sure the front desk is area is clean, and what, you know, making sure that people are welcomed in the way we want them to be welcomed. Those are all areas that we have to define a metric that says, hey, I expect you to answer all calls within three rings or mm -hmm. two rings or whatever that may be. And that um, all messages you've confirmed have been returned every day or whatever, you know, whatever our metric needs to be. Yeah. And so that's the part that will be challenging. Yeah. And, and just to clarify there, the result area may be something along the lines of providing excellent customer service or, you know, whatever. I know that's very generic, but then the, re, the measurable piece of that is, right, you answered the phone calls within X rings or you returned emails within yeah. X time, you know, whatever it yep. may be. But the result of doing these measurable activities is going to be 
you know what? Our clients are super happy with you. Yeah. Every, you know, I think of some of the metrics I would think of is every uh, person that enters our office is greeted and is, and you've required them to, you know, state their purpose and sign in or whatever we need to do there. So we have a good, you know, tracking of who came in and out the door. Yeah. For security purposes. Yeah. You offered a bottle of water to all of our guests or a cup of coffee or whatever. There's always water in the front desk, you know, that kind of stuff. It's little stuff, but that's the stuff that is something she knows that, Hey, I was not witty because I didn't, the the water cooler wasn't full. And, And what this allows organizations to do is it, when you define what winning looks like for every role, you have freedom to, to evaluate on that, but you also are removing the unclear, unsaid, unspoken differences between people. Because I, I think I've said this before, I don't feel like I'm super great at the customer satisfaction stuff that we do on a, a, a frequency, a regular frequency, the maintaining of it. Um, you know, new clients I'm great with and, and getting them in rhythm I'm great with. But if I'm being honest, I kind of lose interest in it because, hey, you know what? You're up and running. Everything is smooth. We're good. I don't, I don't like maintaining that on an ongoing basis. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm super great at that. And so for me, great customer service may be I responded to that email three days after it was sent. But to someone like Casey, who is super great at that, great customer satisfaction is I responded to that email within an hour. And I think I'm doing great. She thinks she's doing great. Somebody at some point is going to have to come along and, and actually say, this is what great is, not that. And this, the KRAs is really what allows leadership to define the culture of the organization in a way that is very clear, very specific. Mm-hmm. So it's not left up to a person that may be new. They may not be a high performer, whatever it is to define that culture for you. Agree. Um, that's been fun too, as far as the process of understanding customer service as part of this. And so we did put metrics around answering and returning of phone calls and response rates and, um, what our expectations are there. And that, and there's different roles with different, different metrics for different roles. Um, you know, how we want to communicate, how we expect, um, uh, you know, in our world, accuracy, quality control, all those different things, all those different aspects of our business need to be very clearly defined and what our expectations are. And it's yeah. and not just expectations. It's really is what is winning. What does winning look like? Yeah. If our expectations is, yeah, I, I expected you to return that email every day. That's great. That's not winning though. Yeah. You return all the emails you're supposed to do. Yeah. That but I'd like you to return that within two hours. We're not trying to coach up people to be B yeah. players. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to be like, this is, we do things uncommonly well. That's yeah. what we want to do. Yeah. And so it's part of the process. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you may got there. stuck though, right? We got stuck. A we did. We got stuck and it was, man, I, th- I think these are, and we had some issues with getting clearly defined metrics in place and we switched over some of our reporting stuff and, you know, it just kind of kicked the can down the curb, but we, we've always known this is super, super important to get in place. And we've had loose versions of this in place for a while. Um, but goodness, this is going to come out on uh, here kind of towards the end of June. And we will have already presented by then. We're going to have, we are definitely presenting in July. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be a little bit uh, ready to go with that. So, so now that we've defined them, you know, we got stuck along the way with some of the specifics. Um, And I think we probably let perfection get in the way of completion a little bit here. It could have been okay to say, this isn't set in stone hundred percent. Yep. This is probably pretty close give those out, let it evolve, change it. I think that'd probably been a better answer for what, than what we've done. 
but we are, and we probably still have that. It's not gonna be perfect when they come out the door, but by the 1st of July, we're looking to have all roles completed. And then what's our process gonna be to go through that with our employees? What's the rollout plan look like there? Yeah, it's gonna be um, having, I say, job level conversations with each group. You know, if you are a, um, in, in, our, in, in my world, a client, what we call client success specialist, um, we're gonna have a conversation with those people that are in that role to where we're going to clearly say, this is what's expected. This is how we're measuring that. This is how you can see status and updates on how well you're doing those types of things, because we want to make a big deal out of this because mm-hmm. uh, it is you know, maybe not explicitly stated, but I would almost bet that people, you know, underlying, they desire to know these things. Mm-hmm. I want to know who doesn't want to know how well they're doing. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about this for us is, this doesn't have to be done through an evaluation process. This is a constant and real time tracking of how you're doing. So you shouldn't, I mean, if you know you're hitting your metrics every month, that's a, okay, I'm succeeding in my role. Now we're gonna, we're gonna still celebrate it and talk about coaching and developing and, and uh, you know, a course correction if it needs to be done. But the reality of this is it gives us a clear picture of, hey, as the, you know, client, you know, customer success specialist is if they are, one of their metrics is a QBR, it's our quarterly business reviews that we're doing. And our metric is they're doing 90% of those every quarter. And if they only hit 60% or 70%, we know we have, can have a conversation now, but they also knew that during the whole course of the quarter, they're yeah. not at their percentages. So it didn't become as a surprise at the end of the quarter. Hey, look, you knew the metric. Yeah. You didn't obtain it. And now we need to talk about how we're going to obtain it next month, next quarter. Yeah. yeah. And, and from a leadership perspective, you get really valuable coaching opportunities in those things. It's a lot easier conversation too, because you're not having to come up to them going, hey, um, this metric that we talked about. Did you know? Did you know that you're supposed to hit 90%? Oh, you didn't? Okay, now. Hey, by the way, you're supposed to hit 90%. And if you did hit 90, hit 90%, I, I'm telling you now, So, yeah. and you have no idea where you've been all or, quarter. Or my favorite is the, I know I told you this, but you don't remember. You forgot, and you so forgot. you're saying that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then it's an awkward, well, are you trying, are you lying to me? Are you really did? Did you really forget? Right. And it just, it, it removes some of that um, just awkward it's conversations. Very clear what expectations are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the same thing as you have a curfew with your kid, right? Curfew is midnight. It's not 12.05. It's not 12.10. It was midnight. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the fun part comes when they walk in at 12.01, 12.02, 12.10, whatever. Uh, Hey, give me your car keys. It's, it's been fun having those yeah, for a week. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy driving your car for the next week while yeah. you miss curfew. That's always fun. The, um, Good luck with that, Mike. <laughs> I got, up, I got a couple of years. Oh, gracious. I got four years. I got to worry about it. Three and a half. Um, the, another piece of this that, you know, I, that you can easily get in your head about is it can come across as a little bit fluffy. Uh, this is, you know, why can't I just have a team that knows what they're expected to do and do it every time? And I don't have to get into all the weeds of this. You can do that. It's great. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Um, I, I just want to remind our listeners that this isn't, this isn't soft skill, fluffy, culture, rah, rah. Let's grab a ping pong table and have happy hour um, type of, of stuff. This has tangible effect on bottom line of business. Mm-hmm. If we do a terrible job of customer service, and our people that are primarily responsible for customer service are um, are the ones that are you know the ones that are produ- producing that results. Ping pong instead of dealing with right. our customers that's usually a problem. Then there's going to be a clear exodus of customers at some point because my people are not doing their job. 
uh, and whenever there's clear expectations and we're holding them accountable to those expectations and everybody's fully aligned with the direction they're supposed to be heading, that's going to produce a tangible effect on your bottom line. This isn't just culture, rah, rah, fluff, you know, organizational health stuff. Yes, it is, but there is true, tangible, quantifiable, measurable results. Absolutely. When you have clear expectations and hold people accountable. And let's say you do have a customer service problem at that point, you can then directly address your metrics. If your metrics are being met and yet they're still not able to get you the customer service results you, that you want, now it's time to address your metrics again. But yeah. it, you, you've turned a subjective thing into an objective thing and now you can truly coach and develop off it. Yeah. Creating a statistic that you can measure from, it's hard to do if you don't have something. Yep. I and feel you like my can't customer, fix what you, met, you don't measure. Right, I can't. I feel like my customer service is good, but it's not where I want it to be. Well, then how do you know it's good? Yeah. I just feel like it is. I feel like it is. And, and yeah. my, that's, you know, you get into We do the, it all the time. Because uh, here's what happens when you start to go into the, well, I, I feel like this is the case or this is what my hunch says. Not that those are always bad or they're yeah. definitely not even always wrong, but you typically glorify the extremes in those circumstances where I remember this one bad client and this is the X, Y, Z of, hap of what happened there that resulted in us doing a terrible job. And that may be an outlier, but because it's in the extremes and you start, that's what comes up in, in the spur of the moment when you're thinking about what is going on and it skews your opinion and your judgment. This is, this is a, a flaw I have happen a lot. It's the, I only, luckily, I, when I hear from some clients, I've never, I don't hear from them regularly. When I do hear from them, they're upset. Well, then if all I've heard for is three or four things that are upset at the same time, I feel like we have a customer service problem or whatever the issue could be. But the reality of it is, is the bigger scheme of things is we have one isolated incident of a customer service problem that needs to be addressed, not a system. It's not a system. Yeah. And yeah. it's very hard. It's very easy for me to lose my perspective of it because I have heard, I've heard four today Yeah, out of the 4,000 interactions we've had today. Yeah. And that's a problem. Especially when they all like all but come in at back like to the back same to back time. To back, yes. It's like, Oh my goodness. The place is burning down. <laughs> Correct. And that's, which that's where my, my uh, D comes out and I react before I think. And so I need to. Yeah. But having down. those clear metrics, clear measurables to go back to it, it does, it grounds you Yeah. because you can look at those and say, you know what? We're hitting those metrics three fourths of the time or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and let's maybe this is Let's as, see where we lost track. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 you know, get back on the guardrails, do a little bit of adjusting and, um, see, see if we can't fix this. But, you know, if, if you aren't measuring these things, if you don't have them defined, if they're not communicating, they're not clear to the entire team, then you really don't have any ways to improve upon. Yep. Um, at least not easily. And this is something just, uh, for you guys that aren't aware of, you know, as part of our HR services, this is something that we are doing with our HR clients. Right. I mean, so trying to is, help them develop these. Yeah. We are, so our process is obviously a lot of times we can be looking for help or our help in writing a job description. And we kind of pivot that into, yeah, job description is important, but it's really what are the results you're trying to get out, of, it, out yep. of it. And so we use this as part of our HR services. And it's a way for us to understand the role people are playing in the organization. And it's part of our process of building out their organizational chart, understanding the roles people are fitting in that. And job then, description is step one. Yep. And yep. then from there, it's how does the results work? How do the, what are the metrics you want to obtain? And that's what Greg is working on with our clients when he's working with them HR. So if you're having trouble with this, I think we're, we've done a webinar maybe on it already for our HR clients. Yep. And we're also, 
This is a part of OnRamp, I think. This is a big conversation that we do on OnRamp where we actually go through the process of H with HR leaders and then sometimes owners where you we actually develop your KRA real time in that uh, on-ramp session, your so own you KRA. That's how the process goes. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's a it's a we have a seven, I think it's seven, maybe it's six step process that we walk through and we give you some time to think and 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 put this on paper. And it's really interesting when we do that because in real time we get to see those light bulb moments where it's like, you know, I, and the, the fun, fun thing is, because we're dealing with HR leaders, it is, um, they're sitting there developing their, their KRA. And I always encourage them at the end of that um, session, all right, take this back to whoever your leader is. And you sit down and you say, these are the three to five, whatever you write down, these are the most important things in my role. Do you agree with this? Because this is all part of our umbrella strategy. We want to make sure everybody's within the umbrella. When it rains, everybody's safe. And, um, it's interesting that next session when people are coming back and they give that report of, man, my leader thought that I was doing something very different than what I am doing, or I, my expectation of this role is very different than what their expectation was. And it gives you clarity to be able to know, I need to adjust my thinking or man, maybe this isn't, I, we've had people, I don't know if I should say this on the yeah. podcast, we've, we've had, had people. people quit their job after going through this session because they realized the job that they thought they had was not the job that their leader actually expected them to do. And they realized that that, well, what you're expecting me to do is not tied in with my gifts, nor is it tied in with my passion. I'm not going to be successful. You're not going to be successful as long as I'm in this role and they quit their job, which that's only so happened that's once. A great <laughs> testimony for signing up for OnRamp, but no, it is, but it only happened once. It only happened. And but it, it was a good, for that person, it was probably the right thing to do. And for the company, Correct. it was the absolute, because they, what we, what we were able to get them to do was actually sit down and have a conversation leader to um, direct report. This is what I think winning looks like. And the leader saying, no, that's not what I hired you for. Well, that just cut off potential years, months, whatever. Of failure on both sides. Correct. Yeah. And and that's having a clear understanding of what winning looks like in your role helps that. When I it like comes it. from the top down, it's a lot better. But when you could force your leader into that conversation, if you're not a, you know, if you're a, a, a small business, you know, manager, supervisor, leader, whatever, and you can force that conversation with your boss, it it is super enlightening. I know that Shelby is going through that process now with her team and she's actually had them, she showed them hers and her yeah her idea of KRA and she went down and said, Hey, why don't you go ahead and write your KRA and then we'll review it kind of go through it together. Sorry. And, um, I think it's a good exercise. It is, uh, in certain roles. If you can, if you can actually explain, well, this is what the KRA, like, you know, Correct. you have to go through kind of an exercise with that. I do like the on-ramp exercise, particularly with a role, a person in a leadership role, getting everybody on the leadership team in agreement, that role they're in the accountability of that role the um both the leader and the lead the, the overall leader and the leadership team itself or the leaders in your, in your organization all in agreement of what each person's role and fit is is super huge yeah. uh when it comes to making sure you have a good clear picture a as a leader i'm communicating what my expectations are and they agree that those are the expectations and so it's it just i think it's really helping me to um get the clarity i really want to have yeah which is ultimately going to turn into better team performance, better trust, speed of communication, all of those things that are very measurable and very, very visible in results. And so, 
Um, that's a little bit about KRAs. We uh, we mentioned OnRant where we go into, I mean, we have about, if I remember correctly, it's about a two-hour session where we actually go through the KRA process with people. Um, I think that's recorded. So if you're interested in, in seeing that, you can obviously sign up for OnRant. It's coming up here in a couple months. When the next one? September. It's in July, September, one of the two. We'll make sure that we post it along with the podcast. Yeah. Um, but if you're just curious and you don't, you know, maybe you don't feel like you want to go through the full on-ramp, you know, none of our content is super um, uh, uh, personal to us, you know, other than the fact that we create it. And you just want to see what that session looks like. I'm sure we could find that recording and share that out with you. And so um, uh, just let us know. We do have a follow-up from last week. So last week we were talking through marketing uh, where we... Uh, had G up here talking through different marketing ideas and whatnot. One of the questions that come, I thought that was a really good question. And it's something we struggled with internally a little bit is how, how do I know when it is, when it's time to outsource marketing versus bring that in house and actually hire a team to do some of this stuff? What does that look like? Um, so we outsourced our marketing for a long, long time with a couple different companies. They all did. I would say, a pretty good job. We had a hard time executing on the stuff they wanted us to do. And I, in our world, I felt like where we could outsource some of our strategy, we really had a hard time outsourcing the execution. Um, obviously the first major factor was budget, right? So, I mean, can we afford and hire? I mean, that's a, yeah. any outsourcing organization really starts with a budget. Um, the need, do we have enough work for the person to work full time? Um, and, and can we find somebody that can have a diverse enough in a marketing, particularly a diverse enough skill set to do some of the pieces, but also be able to raise their hand and know when they they're over their head and they need to get more help. Um, Gia is doing an exceptional job in that role today, along with Becky and that also is a, as a part of that team. And it, it's them knowing when they need to do it in house versus raising their hand up. Um, as far as when the time is right, it's when you're not obtaining your goals that you would, that you want to obtain. Now, either you have to throw more money at the outsourcing or more money to an internal hire. I wanted, we wanted to control over the brand more. I think that's what we look at is I want to control over the, the work we want to done when we want to do it. And also to make sure that it's exactly on brand every time. Control was a big deal. Mm -hmm. it, we, we wanted to be able to maintain that. And anytime you outsource, you give up a little bit of that control, regardless of what the person you're outsourcing to says. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, the, I think it starts with what are your goals? You know, are marketing is a bit, and we talked about this last week, a big cloud of that's nebulous. And you know, how are we going to define that? What do we, when I say marketing, you got to define your terms a little bit. Does that mean, what does that really mean? You know, am I, mean, I talking about sales organizations? Am I talking about truly inbound marketing? My, you know, um, account-based, you know, there's a bunch of different stuff out there in that, in that sphere. Um, and so start with your goals. You know, what, what do you really, if, if you could snap your fingers and have successful internal or external marketing team, what results would they be triggering? And from there, you got to back into, can I create that internally with the budget that I have realistically? And, or is, is it possible to outsource those things? Some things in marketing that you think if I just hire the right company, the results are going to come. If you build it, they will come type stuff. I have not ever found that to be true. There's great marketing companies out there. But they're also the good ones are also really good salespeople. Yeah, and they can convince you of things, and and sometimes they may have been successful in those areas, 
but that's not necessarily the case. And also make sure you go do your homework on those outsourced companies. If you're a product-based business and you're dealing with service-based marketing people, it's a different story. Yeah, our world, you know, our clientele is unique. Our service offering is unique. We are a service-based provider, not a product-based provider. We have a technology slant. Is our story being told the right way? Um, are the materials that we're providing useful to people that we're giving them to? There's a whole bunch of different strategy out there now. It's a very, you know, if I were to snap my fingers and say, this is how I want to market, that's a whole other ballgame. And we're competing against big brands and small, you know, all kinds of, you know, there's a million yeah. different competitors out there. Um, my goal in our marketing is to get in front of the people that we, that we, so we can have a, a, a open and honest conversation about service we provide and see if they're interested in doing it. And that's a hard thing to get in front of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be true no internally, externally, uh, however you want to look at marketing. It's, it's, it's not something that is as easy as snap your fingers, build it, they will come, whatever you want to, uh, whatever metaphor you want to use there. Um, it takes some time. And sometimes you need to hire people to do that internally in order for you to have the right amount of control to develop the systems and processes and content that you want to achieve uh, the results you're looking One for. One of the challenges we had and why we decided to bring it in-house was because we didn't have someone in our office dedicated enough to make sure that it was happening. Yeah. So part of the hire was... We got great strategy help. Correct. But then when it came to execution, it was me, you, her, who? Who's going to actually do what you want us to do? Because yeah. I don't have that skill set. And who else? I don't have the time. Yeah. And so it was a... So, you know, now we probably... We're probably spending 25% outside on strategy and handling 75% strategy and 100% of execution in-house. Likewise, over time, that mix probably goes up and down. Um, I, you know, it's probably an area that we probably should um, look to um, expand our strategy help sometimes when we, we get bogged down in the execution now. So it's kind of, you know, six half dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting conversation. Um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, go back to last week, listen to that episode. Gia had a lot of good advice, a lot of good input and um, just concepts, ideas to talk about marketing. And uh, it was a really good conversation. Um, but that ends today's conversation. If you're out there listening, again, we really appreciate you joining us. And we hope to see you next time on the One Step Better podcast. Mm-hmm.